This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 22. This is Writing Excuses, hybrid outlining and discovery writing. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do until I'm halfway through it. <laughs> I'm Brendan. I'm Piper. I'm Dan. <laughs> I'm Howard. All right. So um, I want to talk about something. This mostly started because I know that both Dan and Howard and Piper piped in and said she had done it as well, <laughs> had kind of transitioned away from solidly doing discovery writing and more toward using a hybrid method, um, which I find very interesting because I, during my career, have transitioned away from solid outliner to a hybrid method of my own. And it seems like this is really what most professional writers are doing is they find things that work for them. Uh, Let's start with some easier questions, though. Uh, What do you think discovery writers can learn from outlining? Oh, uh, discovery writing is often you're uh, chasing the shiny thing and outlining is uh, putting the shiny thing in the outline and then running toward it and being able to do that, being able to to think about that shiny place you want to take the story um, ahead of actually having sat down to write the prose is incredibly useful, incredibly Mm. useful. I think it's interesting with romantic suspense because it is a combination of the romance and the suspense aspect. So if you can do a hybrid where you kind of map out your beats of this is a romantic beat that I want to hit, this is a suspense beat that I want to hit, then you can manage the two plots and combine them a bit more like chocolate and peanut butter rather than I'm eating chocolate over here and I'm eating peanut butter over here. It it just allows you to know that you're going to hit those beats rather than going back and realizing you missed it somewhere along the way and have to get it in there. Right. This is the most common hybrid I've seen, which is mostly discovery writing with a little outlining in that we I know what my beats are. I'm not completely discovery writing. I'm just discovering writing from beginning to first major beat, to second major beat, the third major beat, to end. And the lesson that I had to learn and the reason that I hybrid now is... I eventually learned the difference between a story and a bunch of stuff that happens. And that's really what the first draft of of I'm Not a Serial Killer was. It was a bunch of unconnected vignettes that needed structure applied over the top of it so that it was shaped like a story instead of disconnected vignettes. Another type of hybrid, though, um, rather than just having the beats and how you get from point A to sub point B before you get to Z, um, is... Also, you'll, you'll see a lot of authors on Twitter or Facebook say they got hijacked in the middle of a chapter where they started writing a chapter and it started to flow in a different direction than what they originally intended. So they decided to just go with the flow to see how it worked. Most often it happened with dialogue where their character's dialogue just went someplace else and it worked so well, they actually went back and rewrote, rewrote their plot rewrote their outline because of that little epiphany twist that was unexpected. See, and that happens to me all the time. And I have to be very careful because when that happens, you have to go back and change something. It's either your entire outline or that one really cool thing that you did. And more often than not, today, what I will change is 
that one really cool thing. That dialogue was brilliant and wonderful and I love it. Maybe I can fit it in somewhere else, but it's derailing my entire book. I need to make some Yeah, I've got decisions. a folder full of, the, the folder the folder is called Off Track. And <laughs> it is where I take a script that I wrote that I really liked and was working, but it doesn't fit the story. It doesn't fit the way things needed to unfold. And so I chuck it off into another folder. What I've found is that, uh, Piper, what you're describing um, is in conjunction with my outlining process, the plot is outlined, the characters are discovered, and Mm -hmm. I build my plot in such a way that the characters are allowed to take shape in the way they are going to take shape. I don't know necessarily which character is going to be in the position to make the decision to to chase the spaceship that needs to be chased. Uh, But I know that there is a there is a spaceship that's going to need to be chased. There's a thing that happened off panel that I'm not, I don't need to discover that. That's in the outline. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, is, what, that's what allows me the flexibility that I need. This is describing exactly where I've gone when I say hybrid is I try to discover the right character and outline plot and setting, though I do it like an outliner, which means I've taken a page from Dan's book where you did the the free write on John Cleaver, and I always thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting. I tried to do free writes on my characters at the beginning so I can discover character voice, motives, personality, passions, and things like this, which lets me do a better job of having a framework for them. Yeah, well, and knowing your characters well is what's going to help you make those painful decisions when you get hijacked. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be honest with yourself. As wonderful as this is, is that really what these characters would say in this conversation? Or is it just a really cool turn of phrase I came up with that I want to use? So let's reverse that question then. Uh, what do you guys think that outliners can learn from discovery writers? Joy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you can discover a, a spin on the plot that you didn't think of in the first place. Like discovery writing allows you to find a, a new way of doing things that maybe you didn't see on the initial plot run and or plotting mm-hmm. effort. And I think that that discovery mode is, is a really good way to take it because it allows you to be inspired. It allows you to add a new zing or a new twist or a new epiphany. It's, it's being flexible and dynamic through the course of creating something that takes a whole lot of, a yeah. whole lot of work to create. And, and I find that that flexibility actually helps me come up with much better solutions to problems. And this happens to me in all three of the Mirador books where I will have in the outline, problem A arises and they apply solution B to it, move on. And then I get there and I'm like, nope, solution B is stupid. I've already written them way past the point where solution B would have helped. What am I going to do now? And on the fly have to come up with something better that usually ends up being a much better storytelling thing anyway. Yeah, you know, I have frequently said, uh, I've started thinking of it this way, that every, every piece of writing is discovery written to an extent. Um, what outlining does is shrink the gaps that you have to discover <laughs> right between. Mm-hmm. Because most outliners do not have an outline sentence by sentence. If they did, they that would be the book. the book, and they would have discovery written it to come up with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you are discovery writing your outline, or you're discovery writing between point A and B. And A and B may be short. It's like, here is a, p- a sentence for this chapter where, you know, the discovery writer doesn't have a sentence at all for that chapter. You still have to discovery write the majority of that chapter. So practicing discovery writing 
is more, it's like, it's what writing really is. And the outlining is a tool to help your brain discover right in the ways that help, that works best for you. I think a, uh, a thing that's useful for outliners to learn from discovery writing is what goes in the outline and what doesn't. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, if you're writing a mystery, then your outline probably very clearly describes uh, the crime that was committed, when it was committed, and then when we discover these sorts of things, when clues unfold, so that you have a very clear path for the mystery, and then you're going to you know, write the characters into it. Um, what if, in writing the mystery, uh, some of those clues, you know, you, you know you need a clue, but you don't know what it is. What if, in your outline, you decide, ah, oh, you know what, I want this to be a little more of a character story, and so I'm going to add character beats for this character, and I'm not going to discovery that, write that part anymore, but I'm going to allow myself to discovery write pieces of the mystery. Uh, what goes in the outline versus what doesn't go in the outline ultimately is uh, the question that vexes me. Um, yeah. When I started the, uh, the current Schlock Mercenary book, uh, book 17, um, I knew that it was beginning with uh, Captain Tagon uh, in some sort of uh, dream state or cybernetic place or whatever, uh, dead, but his consciousness is alive. Um, I made a promise to the readers that I was bringing him back. I did not have an outline for book 17 yet. The whole first week of strips was me discover write, discovery writing Captain Tagon in this state, having a discussion with somebody else. And then I had a brainstorming session with my writing group in which, over the course of about 45 minutes, we put together a, a nice, you know, heist slash thriller slash time bomb plot. Um, I'm not telling you which of the three, but it's, you know, an amalgam of the three. And, and then I was able to say, oh, okay, and now that means the strips that I really, really have to write next are going to have to touch on these points in right. order to telegraph that that's the kind of story that we're getting into. Um, uh -huh. It's very much, uh, very much down to the wire for me because. So to pat ourselves on the back, knowing elemental genres helped oh, you. Oh my goodness! To come up with <laughs> so incredibly, <laughs> so incredibly. Name useful. check those smart people last year. Um, let's stop for our book of the week because something else I name checked earlier was the John Cleaver. Free write. And we are now up to John Cleaver 6. Yes, John Cleaver 6, which is, at least as far as I know, the end. I said that Ooh. after three. I'm saying it even more firmly now. Uh, book six is the end. It is called Nothing Left to Lose. Um, the arc of the first trilogy was kind of, you know, John doing one thing. The second has its own arc. And so this is paying off that arc and all six books at once. It's very different than what you think it's going to be, but it is really cool and I love it. Have we ever promoted the John Cleaver movie? Uh, um, no, I don't think we have talked about so, the John movie Cleaver of the movie. Yeah, but at this, point, at this point, it's out of theaters. <laughs> no, no, it was never in theaters. That's the joke. It was in a couple of theaters. Mm -hmm. It was um, in some theaters. This is May. Mm -hmm. Well, as of December, it became available in DVD and Blu-ray. And Netflix, um, I don't know if it's still in Netflix in May, but I guess we'll find out. You should all go watch it. But it is, uh, it's really good. It is getting rave reviews. Uh, it's winning awards all over the place. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, people are calling it the best performance of his career. So 
So there you are, John Cleaver. Yep. Our favorite little creepy dude. Our favorite little creepy dude. And and <laughs> go read book six, Nothing Left to Lose, because I love it. All right. There were two different points in the outline yes. where my editor was like, or not the outline, but in the manuscript when she sent it back with notes, she's like, I am crying now. Why are you doing this? Oh, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. What if I don't want to cry? Well, then. <laughs> um, why would you be considering reading a Dan Wells book Dan in Wells the first book. place? Um, so, have you guys ever been forced to discovery write when you were used to outlining? Well, you're all discovery writers, before, right? <laughs> well, no, I've been I've yeah. been forced to discovery been, write more than I wanted to. Okay, have you been forced <laughs> to use one of these tools by circumstances? What were those circumstances? I, I just described that. Yeah. <laughs> I, did not have, I did not have an outline yet, and I needed to begin a book. And all I knew is that this is a promise I made in the previous book, right. and it needs to be fulfilled here. I sure hope I can come up with an outline in a week. And it actually took me two weeks. Uh, and See, because oh. I, I asked this question specifically because I know a lot of newer writers— once they start getting work um, and things like this, they will end up, say, say getting a job like uh, Wesley Chu, who's one of our other um, co-hosts, Scott, where they're like, hey, we want you to write this thing for us. Submit us an outline. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you are naturally a discovery writer, then, oh, submit us an outline suddenly sends you into panic mode. Mm-hmm. A proposal for yeah. me is mm-hmm. generally an outline and a three-chapter sample of the mm-hmm. first book. And so that first three chapters tends to be discovery-written because they're asking me to do a proposal. I don't know that I'm committing to this entire series before I'm getting contracted. And so a lot of times, you know, I'll have the story concept and an editor who's having drinks with me or what have you, a lot of these things happen by accident. I wasn't pitching, but someone says, oh, Piper, what do you write? what are some of your ideas? And, you know, generally yeah. we're bar conning it. I'm like, you know, ha ha ha, funny, funny, in context. It would be great if somebody wrote blah, 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 blah. And they're like, promise me you'll send me a proposal and I'll come home and have to write a proposal. <laughs> right. <laughs> On this thing you came up at BarCon. Exactly. And I'm like, I have no idea what that happened. Like that oh. happened with an Alpha Werewolves mercenary series that now my agent and several of my author friends are like, we need to see that. So BarCon, by the way, is what... We affectionately call hanging out the bar at another convention, yeah. um, particularly a larger convention, sci-fi convention, not not like a Comic Con, but like you know something like World Con or whatnot. But a lot of the regional cons have one where they just call it Bar Con too. So yeah, you can you definitely can do that at Romance Con mm-hmm. as well, especially RT book lovers. Mm. There's a an entire Bar Con culture like. I never, when I'm at that convention, ever go to bed at night without having taken at least a five to ten minute lap around the bar. Mm. Always. So, Dan, have you ever been forced to use one tool or the other? Uh, I actually forced myself on John Cleaver 5 because the first two books of John Cleaver were just completely discovery written. And then I started outlining more. And so for five, because of the structure of it, it's it's John kind of hitchhiking around the country. I thought, this will be fun I'm going to try this again and got two thirds of the way into it and had to stop and put everything on hold and spend like two weeks outlining the end of it because I had become so dependent on outlining that I couldn't finish the book properly. Mm. 
but it was very interesting to go back and just make it up as I go and yeah. to, 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 you know, wake up in the morning and sit down to write and go, what's next? I don't know what's next. What happens? Let's find out. And uh, it was refreshing and it was very cool. And I learned a lot from doing it. But I still had to go back and figure out how it was going to end in order to write the ending. As a natural outliner, um, I did the Alcatraz, my middle grade books, um, as discovery writing exercises to practice and get more versatile. And so that was imposed. It was self-imposed. And I actually do the stories a little bit like a game of whose line is it anyway, where I come up with a bunch of random props. Uh, in this case, you know, magic uh, powers, magic tools, weird things, uh, just something I think of. And I put mm-hmm. these in a list and I say, okay, it's got to touch all these things. Go. And uh, it gives me a different kind of restriction. Yeah. And in that name, I actually have some homework for you guys, a different kind of restriction. I've been thinking about what we could do for this one because we've forced you to do discovery writing and outlining so much. I want to shake it up a little bit. And I was thinking about my, um, my assistant, uh, my editorial assistant, Peter, and when he goes through a copy edit, when he's going to copy edit something, he does it backward first. He starts at the last line of the book and works forward. The reason being, it lets him take those sentences away from the context he's used to seeing them in, because by then he's read the book several times, and allows him to approach them freshly and make sure the grammar and punctuation and things is in the copy edit, He's only looking for that stuff. Um, he's not looking for the larger scale things. And so I thought I would suggest you guys try to write a backward story. Um, now, these are not fresh and new. Um, they, you know, you, it, it's not the new cool thing that it was when Memento came out and things like this. But I still think it could be fun to force you to look at stories in a new way, the structure of a story in a new way, by starting with the last sentence and then working backward. You don't have to actually write each sentence backward. You can write each paragraph backward. It would probably be easier You know, do a paragraph than the paragraph mm-hmm. before than the paragraph before. But see what happens if you try to write this story backward, having no idea where you're going, use one of our writing prompts that we give on this as the last line instead of the first line. The but story. they lived happily ever after anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then they found Howard's pants. Uh, <laughs> okay, I can't tell you the images that just popped into my head. It's because- a running theme for writing excuses, Howard's pants for some reason. Uh, it goes back Which many I have seasons. never, never come to record without, except for maybe that one time. Yeah. I'm making that up. <laughs> I'm making that up. Uh, this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. 
I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.